It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. Thanks so much for joining. I'm delighted to be joined by, um, well, you know, two Simons here. So whatever Simon says works this week, really. Simon Burt, my colleague from the, from the North East, and Simon Mullock, my colleague from the North West. So um, delighted to have you with us, um, guys. Uh, thanks so much for joining. I mean, really, you know, the, the transfer window still dominates, doesn't it? What clubs need... Mason Green, what a story that has been this week. So we'll get into into the handling of that and, um, you know, what, what next for him. And also, obviously, looking forward to the Premier League um, preview, really. Some big games coming up. Can Man City uh, cope without Pep Guardiola? Blimey, I think we all know, probably, well, uh, as of our age, basically, you know, what it feels like to have a bad back. And so no wonder he's had to go and get that sorted, really. But... Um, Listen, let, let's start, shall we, perhaps, with the transfer window. I mean, I actually think that the team that perhaps needs the most pressing, um, really sort of kind of uh, influx of new players is Manchester United, judging by, by their first two um, uh, sort of games of the season, really. Um, you know, the, the, the Simon Bird, let's start with you, really. I mean, what, what have you made with United so far? And what, what do they need, do you think, to, to really kind of build on what, what happened last season? Well, last time I was on this, I was quite um, quite optimistic about about Man U. I, I thought that you know they could push up their third foot and you know maybe even get into the title race this year with um, Ten Hag settling in a little bit more. But it all seems a bit chaotic, and that stems from the takeover, the hangover from that still not happening. There's uncertainty at the top, and what investment could be coming in, and that's led to you know a bit of an. They're not. They're going into the season. They've, they start the season, and they're not. They haven't got their full quarter of players in that they need. They haven't got a huge transfer out done in in Harry Maguire. Then you know, they can get thirty million for him. That will free up money for other signings to come in. Maybe maybe Tadebo from from Nice, who seems to be expected to be arriving at some point. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a shambles for a club with Man United size and the financial power of them to still be scrabbling around in in the transfer market trying to plug gaps in their squad at this stage. I think United fans would be quite worried about that. Yeah, it is a concern, isn't it? I was watching the Spurs game, on, albeit on the TV, um, you know, on Saturday, um, the other side, and, and a Man United supporting mate of mine basically was messaging me throughout the game and he came to the conclusion, I think, after after the other goal went in, basically, that they need to launch a bid for Fred, basically. So that that's the player that they really need. I mean, it's just, it's, it does feel pretty obvious though, doesn't it, that they're missing that kind of Anchor man. Well, and look at the. I mean, going back to the, the opening game of the season against Wolves, where Wolves were just kind of running roughshod right through the centre of United's midfield. Casemiro looked every one of his thirty-one years, unfortunately. Um, and um, you know, one of the clubs these days 
it's 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 usually one in and then one out. You know, they cover their cover all their bases before they start selling players. They've sold Fred. The suggestion is that they would listen to offers to for Scott McTominay. Where does that leave them in terms of you know defensive midfield players? It leaves them absolutely vulnerable to um, to what we saw against Wolves, and they just look completely unbalanced at the moment. Um, you know they've bought obviously bought Mason Mount, who's an attacking midfielder, Hoyland, who has unfortunately arrived injured, so they've got a seventy-two million pound striker that will probably miss the first couple of months of the season. Um, and obviously the goalkeeper that they wanted, but they still have to spend in what, 200 million last summer and o- almost the same again this summer, just look completely unbalanced still. And um, like Simon says, there was a lot of optimism around Old Trafford going into the new season after what Ten Hag did last year. You know, performed ahead of uh, ahead of expectation, really, getting them qualified for the Champions League and winning the, the Carabao Cup, getting into the FA Cup final. But that has been punctured and there's a there's the glazy shadow is still hanging over the club. And and what's kind of ironic um is that, you know, United United when David Gill was there were one of the architects of FFP. And FFP is one of the one of the the problems that United are now encountering in terms of they're, they're still the biggest football club in the country but they are hamstrung by the fact that they've blown a billion quid over the last 10 years um, for very little to show for it. You know, Harry Maguire being the being a prime example they bought Harry Maguire for £80 million and Simon's talking there that, you know, if they can get £30 million back for him, that would be good for Manchester United, which you know, that's how the club are looking at it at the moment. But it, it's kind of indicative of of why United are in the state they're in. It, this isn't a sort of one or two year problem. This is a kind of demise that's been going on for a decade or more, and it basically coincides with the arrival of the Glazers. I, I tell you what, there's a common theme here, um, Simon, isn't there? Basically, also that um, Liverpool, ha- you know, had this issue, didn't they? Certainly to start the season, having let Jordan Henderson go to Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, have they got that kind of, you know, really top quality holding player? They've got options, but not solutions. They obviously tried to sort of kind of plug that gap now. Do you think Liverpool, similarly to, to United, have done enough to convince us that basically it's not just about top four, but they could actually be in the title race or have a say? No, I think it's too big a leap for Liverpool to go go straight into the title race this year, which is sad to say because I... We'd love, I think, we'd love a competitive, a more competitive um, top two, top three, four, even chasing the title. We don't want the Premier League to become kind of a, a one or two stop shot, like in Man City are kind of making it. So we need teams like Liverpool, even if you don't support them, you, you need them to mix up the Premier League uh, at the very top. And, you know, you, it, 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 a premium in this transfer window seems to be, you know, the, the defensive midfielder, the anchor man who, and if you look at, you know, Liverpool have done, done well, you, you could argue they've done quite well. Fabinho, Henderson, Keita, Milner, Oxford, Chamberlain, they've had to clear out this kind of the, the refresh they wanted in terms of bodies out. Um, but really, they need to they need to shore up that, that central midfield area. I mean, the Japan national captain, Endo, um, he's, he's coming in. So that's one. Then you look at, you know, one guy, an England player who's, who's out of favour at Man City, Calvin Phillips. And, you wonder whether Liverpool can can go in for him for him, and whether they can do some kind of deal when City get their their two midfield 
prospects like Eze could could be going to City. So maybe maybe in the last we're gonna have a scramble in the last two or three days of the transfer window. And and Phillips is one of those guys who needs a move. And if he can go to a top club like like Liverpool to to plug that gap and get fully fit and get right on top of this game again, like when he was at Leeds, maybe that's an answer for Liverpool. But that's another top club with so many millions to spend. You know, showing the hand with a hundred million pound bids for Casado and so 110 million. Um, and then not landing the man, and then and then and then just having this gap to to plug it for you know multi million pound you know corporations like Liverpool are and our Premier League clubs are quite amazing that they're you know they're still scrambling to plug positions that are real real priorities for Jurgen Klopp. So Simon Mullet, you, you know Man City well. I mean, it's it, it seems a bit unusual to to someone like me. City always seem to kind of get there. You know, business done early seem to be very well organised. They're clearly chasing players, and you know, the, the other side raises a very good point about Calvin Phillips. You know, does he is he allowed to go if they if they do do business? But it feels almost because of the number of names that they're sort of kind of looking at Paqueta and now Eze and Nunes, and does it feel like a bit of a rebuild? And do you think that rebuild is needed um, at the City to kind of keep them hungry and keep them successful? They need. They needed to bring players in simply because Gundogan. I mean, they, you know, they, there's a suggestion or questions being asked. Why did City let Gundogan go? They didn't let Gundogan go. Gundogan left because he was out of contract. City offered him a two-year deal. He felt that he wanted to go to Barcelona um, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, I love Manchester, but I wouldn't mind living in Barcelona for a few years. And you know, Gundogan, Gundogan went, and that that left that has left a, a big a big hole in the City squad simply because he could fill a number of positions, always came up with crucial goals in crucial matches. So that that was a big loss. And obviously, Riyad Mahrez, they felt that the the offer that they got from Saudi was just too good to uh, to resist. So there's two players that they needed to replace. Um, the Gundogan one especially has caused a problem because they were quite hopeful after they won the Champions League that he would agree, agree to stay. So that left them in a little bit of a quandary to, to to bring another player in. The one thing about City is they're patient with the players that they they pursue. They wanted Declan Rice, there's absolutely no doubt about that, but they were only prepared to go so far and they knew eventually that Declan Rice wanted to join Arsenal. So rather than kind of um, becoming involved in a bidding war that probably would have proved unsuccessful anyway, they dropped out as soon as they realised that, you know, he wanted Arsenal and that was the that was his number one option. So again, you know, but the the, the thing is, the thing is about City, which we found particularly in the last sort of ten years since Bagheristan became the sporting director, they are very, very patient in the market, and they don't move until the the deal is right and the player is right. So this is kind of what we're seeing at City now is, is pretty typical of how they how they operate. They don't um, they they. Don't tend to to panic, and just looking at the the kind of Premier League in terms of balanced squads. I mean, City are probably still there as the team to be shot at. Arsenal and Newcastle. You know, I went up to uh, I went up to Newcastle on the opening day of the season. They were fantastic, and um, and they you know they the, the Pep Guardiola's reaction after beating Newcastle at the weekend said a lot. He sees them as as kind of real a real kind of threat at, the, at this season. And, and you know, the fact that he was so delighted with a 1-0 home win shows you where Newcastle are at the moment. United, 
Um, and Liverpool are just a little bit off the, the the running at the moment. And and then you know we're all desperate to see how Chelsea cope. Um, not too well if the if they the, the performance at West Ham is anything to go by. And Simon, what do you do, do? Do you see any sort of kind of real obvious weaknesses or kind of other clubs, perhaps sort of kind of you know with title or top four, top five aspirations? This season that really need to do something, you know, Newcastle. Surely they've done they've done some really good business, haven't they? You know, do do uh, you think Arsenal were a kind of there? Is there anyone there with glaring holes? Well, I think Tottenham. I mean, they've got aspirations to be in the top four and top five, and then you lose Harry Kane and you take thirty goals out of a side who finished eighth last year, and that's an awful lot of goals to replace, um, no matter who you, who you sign. So they're going to have to do some some. Well, maybe the style will solve that problem. Maybe. Ostercoglu's kind of new uh, new ethos will will kind of will will right some of the wrongs from Tottenham last year, but I think they 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 need a you know, they need to do some some kind of business. Um, Arsenal are probably just about there. I can't see them transforming their squad an awful lot. I don't know about you, John. You're you're the expert on Arsenal, but I'm not worried about them. Chelsea have spent far too much, and the problem for for them is how to fix uh, how to fit all these get get a kind of like chemistry between all these new players that they've bought. So there is, I think there is an opportunity there for, I mean, it's, it's still an opportunity for Newcastle because they're, they're still kind of the outsiders. They're not quite there yet. So we're all wondering whether they can get in the top five again and it, with Europe, this on, the added addition of Europe on top of their, in their programme. So it's, it's, there's still, with all the turmoil and, and change going on at, at Liverpool um, and Spurs and, and other clubs at Chelsea, there is an opportunity there for someone to, to climb up there. I mean, even Villa might, might fancy the chances of top five this year if they can really put it together. And I saw them last night. I know it was only Hibs, but you know they, they were really good and they've got a lot of pace in their team this year, which is so important in the Premier League. So there is an opportunity there caused by teams like Liverpool quite not quite getting their resets done early and and convincing everyone that they're in there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
guys, let's have a have a look at sort of one of the big stories of the week. Um, Mason Greenwood, um, you know, it, it, obviously a very difficult and complex situation. Really, I think I think you know we're all agreed, aren't we, that it, Man United took the right course of action. But Simon, Mull, where, where do you next see um, you know the, the future for Mason Greenwood? Where can he where can he go? What 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 can he do? Does he have a future in football? I don't know, John. Is the honest answer. I don't know who which club is will be prepared to to side him simply because of the the backlash that anybody will face as 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 soon as the the deal is done. And and let's not forget either, you know, football fans um, are not the most sensitive of people in general, and uh, and the amount of criticism that I'm sure Greenwood will face if and when he does get a new club and and does play again uh, will be, you know, quite tough for a, for a player of, of of his relative inexperience to uh, to handle. So it's it's a difficult one. I, d- I just don't know where he goes to. You know, people it, clubs in. Saudi, for example, have closed the door. That was that was seen as a as a as a valid option when United made the announcement. But it seems that that, that might not be as as straightforward as as some suggested. Because let's have it right, they've already you know Saudi have already got an image problem. So why on earth would you would you sign Mason Greenwood? So I, I do think United took the right decision, and I do, in some respects, feel a little sorry for Richard Arnold because. Um, it, 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 you know, he had to examine all the evidence, and I'm, I'm sure he, he, you know, he well, he hinted at it that there were there were some things that haven't been made public, um, but felt that it was the only decision for the club, and you know, he was honest enough to admit himself that he actually changed changed his mind a few times over the the course of the process. So it was a, a difficult decision for United to make. Um, not least because you know Mason Greenwood is an absolutely fantastic footballer, but at the end of the day, um, I think United did make the right decision, and I think Mason Greenwood has got a major problem in trying to find a club where he can continue his career. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, it is. It is not an impossible situation to deal with, isn't it? Because I mean, frankly, you know, the, the transfer window shuts September first, and then basically, you know, you know, he's got two years on a contract to United, and basically, they've got to decide either to get a permanent deal, get a loan deal, or indeed, you know, they, they've hinted at perhaps even sort of kind of coming to some arrangement about terminating the contract, haven't they? Which obviously would have to be done before the window shuts for that to, to allow t- to happen, even if he if he was to leave the club after the window, if you see what I mean. So, you know, it's a very interesting um, point in time, really, and it's been so much the focus, isn't it, uh, sort of, of, the, of the past week or so. Let's look at the Premier League weekend now. And, you know, big games perhaps on, on, on Sunday as well to start with. I mean, 
Um, Chelsea actually start the weekend, don't they, against Luton at home, which would be really interesting for Pochettino, bearing in mind their slightly stuttery start. Um, but really, can City cope without Guardiola at Sheffield United, Simon? What sort of an impact do you think, Simon, this will have on, on, on City and their title charge and their performances and players? Well, I remember, you know, I remember a few years ago they played Liverpool in the, in the Champions League at the Etihad and um, Guardiola was, was sent to the stand for the second half um, after complaining about this loud goal. And Mikel Arteta took over, the, basically managing the, the team from the, the, uh, the touchline. And they collapsed in that second half and were, were, were well beaten in the end. Now, I would imagine that City will hope that that doesn't happen again. Um, but one of the, the one of City's crucial signings this summer was the return of Juan Marlilo as um, Guardiola's right hand man. He's a huge influence on him. It was a huge influence on him when he was learning how to become a coach after hanging his boots up. And um, he's basically one of you know a, a man that Guardiola respects completely. And he made the point actually a couple of weeks ago. I don't wonder whether this was because he knew that at some point he would probably have to uh, take some time away from the club. He, he made the point that, that uh, Lilo is a, is, a, is a man that he can speak to when things aren't going right. He's, he's, a, he's a great advisor when things are going wrong. Um, so I, I think City will be a lot more confident at, um, without Guardiola now than they probably would have been this time last year. Um, and I think they're just hoping to get to the the, the champion, the uh, uh, international break, without having too many uh, bruises to, to cope with. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because we all know what a, what an influence Guardiola is. Uh, you know, he's he's Mister Perpetual Motion on the touchline. So it'll be quite interesting to see what happens at uh, Bramall Lane on Sunday. Guys, I mean, we we cover football day in day out, don't we? I mean, basically, and Guardiola is amongst the most intense managers I'm sure that any of us have ever seen. So, for for him to have to 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 kind of take time out and to have back surgery, you know, due, midway through a season, basically, just shows the sort of pain and strain and stress that he must have been under. Honestly, uh, uh, you know, genuinely, my 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 thoughts and best wishes go to him because, blimey, that that he must be under. He must have been under so much pain; it's unimaginable, frankly. So well, Joe, that's it to carry Crossy. They they do tend to take the toll. Oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Having, having that back surgery a few years back myself, honestly, <laughs> it's so oh wow. But it, it made the world a difference. But anyway, but there you go. That's another story. Um, but Newcastle v Liverpool. Uh, I mean, you know, Summer Bird. I mean, you know, this is a good good barometer test, isn't it, for 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 both these teams? It'll be interesting to see the outcome of this game the performances of both teams, really, to see where perhaps they're standing and what their ambitions are for this campaign. I think it's probably the game of the weekend. It's a, it's a massive game. I mean, Newcastle started the season in, like Simon Mullock was there, in blistering form. I mean, they were just magnificent against Villa. They, they blew them away, and that was the phrase everyone was using. Uh, and then went to City and weren't, weren't quite as intense early on as they, as they could have been. I think they thought they were a bit standoffish for 15, 20 minutes. Um, and didn't take the chances and didn't get enough chances. So, you know, they, but Liverpool, there's proper needle between between Newcastle and Liverpool. It's turning into what, one of those like rivalries between managers that, uh, that that's going to compel us for a, a few years. I mean, Klopp keeps having digs about the Saudi ownership. Um, he's had a little dig um, in the last week about 
the new Premier League rules about managers um, in the t- in the touchline boxes and ha- how he's going to speak to the authorities about that. Um, so there's ca- and then at Anfield last year when when there was a very late Liverpool goal, um, there, there was you know stuff thrown between the dugouts and there was a, a Newcastle coaching staff member got got, got a fine. I think probably maybe the Liverpool guys did as well. So there's proper needle between. The two two level stuff. I mean, Eddie Howe will play this down massively in his press conference on Friday and say it's all sweetness and light, and he loves Klopp. But I mean, I, I guarantee it. Behind the scenes, those those coaching staff really want to turn each other over. <laughs> so, but aside from that, it is two teams who are kind of wanting to be direct rivals now and wanting to be in the top four. And we don't know. We we think Newcastle have got that formula still, which is you know relentless hard running. Rapid, rapid attacks, um, much more, loads more options off the bench now for the last half hour. Uh, but these games are always so close, and you can you you, you can't call them. You, it's just one or two moments, whether a chance is taken or not. Newcastle are definitely up there in the elite in the top five, top six, and I think Newcastle fans will want reassuring with a result this week that, that this season isn't going to kind of dip, and that they are still challenging and, and beating these teams in the top four. They've got a really hard start of the season, Newcastle. There were, though, I was hearing from fans on the train last night that there's been a few grumbles at Man City and the way end. Um, actually, it's a funny story from this week. One of the main Twitter accounts at Newcastle had a, a little, uh, uh, tried to raise a debate saying, is it time to blame individual players for the Man City performance? Which, you know, the word blame was a bit unfortunate because it's been so united at Newcastle for 18 months. And and um, Gumares, um, Bruno Gumares actually bit back on Twitter and said you have um, stupid short memories, you know. <laughs> so uh, even that slight bit of criticism after eighteen months of positivity is is kind of pricked the pricked um, their main player, and he, he had a go back on, on Twitter. So it'll be interesting to see what, after such positivity after uh, in twenty months how Newcastle react to a dip and how the fans react to a dip. I think they've all got to stay united, um, especially ahead of the Champions League campaign, and just realise there's going to be a bit of a roller coaster this year. Well, they're definitely up there in the elite and it's going to be a cracking game. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't seen that. That's a brilliant response from Bruno. I love that. Engagement. Fabulous. It's great, isn't it? Um, Simon, Simon Mullock, what do you think about Man United Forest? I mean, blimey, it's a, you know, United should be taking all three points from this. But it also feels that, you know, wow, if, if there's one to sort of kind of trip them up, I mean, Wolves gave United a bit of a scare, didn't they? I mean, blimey, you know, can Forest do the same? <laughs> Massive pressure on United this weekend. Huge pressure. Um, you know, they've got to win the game and more importantly, they've got to come up with a performance because the performance, as I, as I said earlier against Wolves, was not what the Old Trafford fans expected. They will be they will be looking at United to kind of deliver a little bit of a statement this weekend um, and, and win comfortably and win with a performance that, that shows they're going in the right direction. Um you know, we, we always we all remember a, a famous goal against Forest that that saved Sir Alex Ferguson's job. Is I don't think it's quite got to that stage yet, but the pressure is growing on on the team, and pressure is growing on Ten Hag to to come with a performance to um, to basically reignite the season. Yeah, absolutely. Simon Bird, let's finish with Arsenal Fulham. Um, I mean, Arsenal, you know, two wins so far. Entirely convincing, I have to say. But you know, if you finish with a one-nil win away from home with ten men at Palace, I guess you're going to be very, very pleased with that. But still, looking to click, aren't they? It feels. Yeah, but I mean, it's early in the season, and you know, relationships are being built on the on the on the on the pitch, and 
there's all everyone's when you start a new season, I think everything's heightened, the emotions heightened, the tension is heightened, and one result sends you to the top of the table, and you you lose the next week, and you're in the mid table, and it's it's kind of it's an old cliche for managers, but you need ten games just to see where you where your team are, whether it's going to work out well or, or not. Um, I mean, Arsenal will be fine. They've got, I mean, Declan Rice is going to be a huge addition for them, and I think he's going to have massive influence this year, and will will help to push push on. I don't know whether they've got quite enough to push City. Depends if City stay hungry and can win it all again, which which that that could just dip them down. But Arsenal are going to be definitely in second. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to challenge him for second. Um, and you know, thing gets they, they need some silverware this year. I don't think they'll get the league title, but you know, um, I, I think they're going to be fine. I don't think, but I just think fans worry at this time of year. It, it swings, it swings one way and then the other, and everyone's thinking about you're only thinking about the glory days of last of last season and the, what, what went right, and can we emulate that? When in fact, you realise that there were periods when there were four or five games when people dipped and. Um, and they had a bad end to the season at last year, didn't they? When they when they surrendered the title, so um, they'll be fine. Don't worry, Arsenal fans. Don't worry, Cross. <laughs> what do you mean, um, hey, guys? It's so nice to see you. Thanks for joining, and um, yeah, it, uh, and uh, thanks for your views. And uh, yeah, hope for a really good weekend. See, see you same time, same place next week. Bye.